Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. The entrepreneurs who I interview, just like today's guest, have this big vision of changing the world. But today's guest realized, you know what? If you want to change the world, if you want to really have big impact, he's smiling as I say this, the, name, the recognition in your face. Dude, your vision is so big. Your abilities are so big. I understand why you're so busting out to, to do big things. Ashray had this big vision, a couple of them. One of them, I remember reading years ago, he said, it's kind of a pain to listen to music at different shows. And I think you even, tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't you find that there was a riot at some concert because people couldn't hear properly, but they were supposed to listen? The realization was that in the middle of a concert, a lot of people were on, the, were on their phones uh, because, I mean, just the concert wasn't as engaging. Okay. And if you go back and think about sound tech more fundamentally, uh, in home theater systems, the sound has had evolved from mono speakers on your televisions 15 years back to stereo to 5.1 and, you know, like the fancy yep. 11.2 and fancy theater setups that people have. But in a concert, you still were just two sound sources pumping uh, sound. So the idea was, what if you just connect everybody's cell phones since everybody has them and uh, it should be a better, better, better experience for everyone. So that, that, that was just a small spark that started when I was attending a concert, yes. Bottom line, you ended up with this idea that everyone on the wrist would have a speaker so that they were all contributing to the music of the experience, which is big. We'll talk about what happened there. Am I right? I am, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't work out. Learned a lot. Comes out with this new idea. He says, you know what? I think we could do Hollywood without the actors, essentially, right? Where, well, anyway. He had this big vision of how he could change the way that video was created. And this time he said, you know, I'm going to start smaller. He said, you know how salespeople are willing to spend money because they can make money? You know how they're willing to experiment? You know how we can actually offer them something that separates them from all the other salespeople? He says, I'm going to start with salespeople. And what he created is a company called Rephrase, Rephrase AI, excuse me. With Rephrase AI, if you're trying to reach your customers via email and you don't just want to send text, you could send them an individualized, customized video created by this artificial actor where you write the text and wherever you want the person's name to be, you just say, insert name. You could, you could even do more than that. And every single recipient will, will get a video that's addressed to them with an actor speaking your material, what you've written with their name in it. And it separates salespeople from all the other messages that are going out in the world. And as a result, he can show them real sales increases. He can actually charge because he's helping them make money. And by doing that, he can get closer to his vision of, well, we'll talk about what the bigger vision is. But the big idea here is big vision, practical first steps. I invited Ashray Hatra. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Can you say it? How do you say your last name? Ashray Malhotra. Ashray Malhotra. Here to talk about how he did this, uh, what happened with the first company, why he closed up, how he felt after closing up, and, and how he discovered this. We can do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're hosting a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. They'll give you a great price to take good care of you. And the second, when you're ready to hire developers, especially if you're, if you're getting attracted to some of the ideas here and you want to build them into your own software, Go to host. Uh, go to toptal.com slash Mixergy. Ashray, take me back to the day that you knew that Soundrex was not going to work out. 
this previous company that we talked about with uh, music on everyone's wrist? It was a slow transition. Uh, we Soundrex was initially a hardware company, didn't work out. We pivoted to doing to trying to license out a specific software stack that we had built for high fidelity wireless networks. We tried that for some time, found great success with one of the largest uh, pro audio manufacturers, but realized that that was just one single company and we couldn't get market traction beyond that. So I realized we couldn't build a large company with just one major customer. I mean, that that just didn't make sense. And, and the pro audio market is very, uh, they're just two large companies in that market primarily, which, which have a major uh, traction there. So... Uh, it it was a slow realization. Also, it takes you time to realize what you're not good at. Um, in our case, we realized that hardware just wasn't playing to our strengths. Um, it was more of algorithms and more of software, which we were really good at. And hence, over time, that realization stuck and we decided to move to rephrase. I remember I closed down the first version of Mixergy, which was event invitations. And there was a part of me that felt like a failure. And there was a part of me that couldn't let it go, even though I knew it needed to close because I didn't want to get to that place where I eventually felt like a failure. Did you feel any of that, Ashray? Fortunately for us, there was a small, there was a pretty smooth transition to rephrase. So while we were closing closing down Soundtracks, we were pretty excited about a rephrase, and you know, we had learned tons and tons of lessons of things that we had done wrong in Soundtracks, and we were very excited to do things right this time. So, you know, starting market research, starting talking to customers and not starting product first. It was, of course, hard to let it go because, you know, I think till date, I meet a lot of people who are, who are very excited about Soundtricks and are disappointed in why it did not work. That definitely includes us because till date, I believe in the vision. I am sure that someone's going to do it. If not today, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, it's going to happen. It's a pretty obvious thing. The, the um, obvious thing is, you said people go to shows, they're not listening to the music, they're looking at their phones, they're not paying attention. And so you saw that and your first idea was what? Let's go back so, and understand this, this previous business before we get to what you're doing today. So the concept with Soundrix was very simple. Over time, as I mentioned, in consumer audio, um, in your homes, you've started to have more and more speakers and speakers in your uh, home theater setups. And there's a very simple reason for that. If you can properly align your speakers, the experience is extremely immersive. Uh, and whenever you think about what's your best musical experience, it is very often concerts. But concerts as of today do not provide you from a very technical perspective, the best sound experience. And the reason for that is you've just got two sounds, two speakers in the front, they're just pumping sound at you. And the idea was, uh, you know, you sometimes have that that eureka moment in a concert when the the artist on stage asks you to sing this, asks the audience to sing the song, and it's a very different experience than the speakers. The 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 sound is coming from the speakers. What is the entire concert? Could be something like that, where you know it's sound coming from all around you, and you feeling like you're in the middle of a very immersive social sound experience and. That's something that you could only experience in a concert and nowhere else because you would not have 10,000 people somewhere else. So that's, that, that, that was a core idea. That was a core fundamental layer. Things on top of that were, you know, because you would have control over so many sound points, you could now create new kind of sound effects, especially in things like EDM, et cetera, which is just impossible earlier. For example, imagine moving like 
entire one soundtrack in circles around people and the other one just goes left and right in a, in a, in a wave so uh, that would open a new canvas of creativity for artists to create new sound experiences so yeah that was sound tricks what point did you raise money for it um we we actually had a very innovative way of funding it uh we uh, just to give some context i did it in final year of my college uh we got some initial grants from uh, our college to just run a beta experiment and you know it didn't it never started off as a, as a startup it just started off as a cool project that i wanted to do before i passed out of college mm-hmm. uh, so got some really interesting you know some really awesome friends we made it work so some center for entrepreneurship in our college funded it initially then we had e summit which was like this large entrepreneurship festival inside of our college which gave us some grants then we won a competition in switzerland so you and know it's all equity free they just gave you money correct it was all equity free how much money After did you get we would have gotten i think somewhere between 100000 to 150000 dollars okay. equity free uh okay. it was small chunks of money that we got first from switzerland then from the korean government we got a bunch of money so we kept funding parts and parts of it to just build it to the next step okay. after which uh we got selected in accelerator in the us called as alchemist okay the first version you built before you got into the accelerator to alchemist yes at that point we had front speakers ready did you get customers for it wait did you design the, you designed the speakers that would go on people's wrists at that point using yes. about 150,000 you did okay so yeah. you, wow that's impressive all right um and it wouldn't it wouldn't work on bluetooth would it bluetooth can barely operate properly in a person's house so the next part of you know why we ended up doing a software license uh and this was a problem that we didn't even predict would take us so long to solve was the entire networking piece how do you wirelessly communicate high fidelity audio was ended up being a big pass of it so we did yeah. not use bluetooth we did not use wifi we just used raw 2.4 gigahertz and tried to build our own algorithms to work on top of that so it it was it was complicated but you got that working with $150,000 in grants roughly before you got into the accelerator uh, yes okay uh, all right at what point did you get a customer we uh, so back in you know when it was even a project we started doing some early tests with people in in the college itself so i would say the first customer of of the whole concept was the flagship music festival of uh, of the cultural body in 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 our campus in iit bombay so that was the first customer uh, but in terms of actual on ground deployments we didn't do any major large scale deployments with soundrex and you know to get to that level of reliability is some is the part where we we believed we failed and hence we decided to not start to do hardware again when you did it at that small scale um at university how how was that experience was it fun to watch people listening to music the way that you imagined they would or was it a disaster we had both we had a disaster of course and we had a really fun moment someone came to us after the after the event and said uh, that you know it was one of the best musical experiences that it had um just the sheer feeling of being surrounded by so many speakers is a feeling that just felt and it can't be described in words okay you had that it was exciting you got into the accelerator tell me more about when when you switched into software what was the software going to look like and who was it going to be for so um 
uh, we went to a pro audio manufacturer uh, and we went to them saying you know uh, we want to get speakers from you um, so we were assembling the whole uh, wristband speaker but we we still purchased the core uh, audio driver from some companies so we went to them saying you have really awesome speakers we want to buy them if you have speakers of this size you know would love to use and they had a counter offer well if you have been able to nail wireless transmissions why don't you just you know give us your algorithms because one of the one of the major costs of pro audio speakers is you have to move to a venue and then wire up the entire venue uh, which takes time and money and more often than not you actually have to rent the venue for a day or longer and to rest the to just rent the venue for a day longer is really expensive so uh -huh. it was that conversation that led us to transition to software uh, from the hardware it was just that one company saying instead of me giving you speakers why don't you give me your your algorithm got it just so they could then put it into their speakers and sell speakers that were wireless for concerts absolutely got it was that a imagining wasn't a lucrative deal right because you couldn't live off of it long enough to find another customer it was it was a very lucrative deal for them which is what and it was absolutely playing to our strengths uh, you know which was software uh, so it it sounded pretty lucrative the one lesson that we learned from that is to never underestimate corporate bureaucracy and how long can things take in some of these really large companies and so how long did it take to get that going we would have spent i think around 4 to 6 months with that company okay so we're looking yeah. at one lesson is you're not built for long sales cycles if you don't have a lot of money and i'm also understanding ashray you tell me if i'm wrong that you personally don't like that long sales cycle you don't want to deal with corporate bureaucracy to validate your 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 idea you want to be able to iterate faster am i right or you tell me absolutely uh you know there are multiple things that you wait for sometimes you wait for the technology to get ready sometimes you wait for the product to get ready but at some point when things are ready you want to give it off to people and get real world deployment feedback as quickly as possible so with rephrase now and you know i understand we'll come to that uh, slightly later but something that's very exciting is that of course we sell to really large companies uh but we also can sell to the smallest of companies there of course we don't make as much money but it's really exciting to be able to just at least get it out there and start to get some real world feedback give me one more lesson that you took away from this experience what else did you say i'm i'm not going to do again after soundrex one of the less, one of the things that i think we did wrong in soundrex is that we were trying to push a novel concept of something that didn't exist uh in an industry which is typically pushed away innovation mm. and right. doing it with and doing it with hardware all 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 the more okay uh, which makes it even more difficult so we were pushing against a lot of barriers uh in so you know there were tons of tiny tiny lessons for example market by itself is really important maybe like the, a similar product in a more open market would have worked uh maybe a team that has been managing concerts for the last 20 years could have made this work right like yeah uh, there are tons of different things different scenarios where it could have worked but we were just the odds are all against us yeah that's a good point i say all the time that sales people are willing to experiment especially online sales people they'll try new software they'll sign up because they're just in a business that 
um, that makes money from wins. And because there's so many other people they're competing with that they have to find something to be separate to separate themselves. But you're right, there's some industries that are the exact opposite. If I if I think about concerts, there hasn't been much innovation there in years. The only thing I can think of that has been innovative at all is the ticketing process. And even there, there there's not that much innovation, right? Absolutely. So ticketing has become a big deal, you know, and then people do like in some sense, pretty minor innovation. For example, now that I have details of that you visited a concert, I can try to remarket you some t-shirts or some hats from that right. concert, stuff like that. But no, you're right. I don't think there's been a major innovation in the concert space. They still talk about that old wall of sound that happened decades ago and how it changed music to have all these speakers in the front. All right, let me talk about my first sponsor. Then I want to come back in and understand. Um, I want to get up to know you a little bit better from your, your childhood and then go back and see what you ended up doing differently this time with Rephrase AI. So my first sponsor is a company called TopTal. You're about to listen to an entrepreneur talk about how artificial intelligence is changing his business. It's it's really cool, Ashray, how we're going to hear with Rephrase that people can see a person who's not a real person. Is that a real person that you're modeling the models after? Yes. Oh, it is. Okay. So you take a real person, yeah. but then you make their lips move in sync with the text that some salesperson has written and it all happens in real time. So for every person who receives this video, their name is said dif- is said properly. And then the lips of the speaker move along with the words as they're being said. It's anyway, the whole thing is really smart. And if you listen and you say, you know what, we could use a little bit of this at our business. How do we even get somebody to do it? Well, you could go out and hunt. You can ask your friends. You can ask a friend, a friend, or what you could do is just go to TopTal and say, look, there's a feature, there's a thing, there's a new technology that I need to put into our company. Do you have someone who can do this for us? And with TopTal, what they will say is not only do we have someone who could do this for you, we have people who've done this already. Tell us more about how you plan to integrate artificial intelligence. Tell us more about how you plan to integrate this new technology into your business. And then we'll go back and find somebody who's done something like that so that they're not experimenting with you, but they're bringing their past experience into your business. So that's what TopTal does. They have a network of people who are ready to go, people who've done the work that you need at an exceptional level. We're not talking about cheap people. We're talking about exceptional people. And all you have to do is go to toptal.com slash Mixergy to hit that button and schedule a phone call with them. Tell them what you're looking for and challenge them to find the right person. Or in some cases, people have hired whole teams from them. And if you're happy, you can get started often right away within days. And if not, nothing ventured, nothing lost. It's just a single, simple phone call. Now, um, these students who are studying my ad reads because I'm so apparently the way that I do it, where I bring the guest into the conversation is so innovative that um, this professor Damien wanted to bring uh, my interviews in to, to show his students and have them analyze it. The one big lesson that I got from them was I speak way too fast with my sponsor's name. So I'm going to say it slowly. It's top tal top is in top of your head. Tal is in talent. T-O-P-T-A-L dot com slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. And if you throw that uh, slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y into the end of the URL, you'll get 80 hours of developer credit when you pay for your first 80 hours in addition to a no-risk trial period. There's only one place to get that, and that is at toptal.com slash Mixergy. Go get that offer. And let me know what you think of your experience with TopTal. I'm always looking for feedback on every one of my sponsors you could reach me. I stand behind them. You could reach me at andrew at mixergy.com. 
Actually, where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small town in India called as uh, Narora. It's in it's in the northern part of the country. Okay, what was it like to grow up there? It was pretty interesting. Uh, so both my parents are uh, nuclear engineers. So we've always been in isolated parts of the country because, of course, you don't build nuclear power plants in the middle of a city. Uh, and I moved to a city uh, when I was in ninth grade. So the contrast between you know someone who's been who's been raised in a very productive pr- protective childhood going to this place where you're out there is was a really interesting time for me. What did you notice that was different? I I, I noticed how much of a difference uh, just being raised in a different. Uh, environment could make like people in cities were they had very different lifestyles uh, they had very different expectations of things they had you know they would behave with each other differently i wonder if you remember something specific i'll tell you what i remember i remember going to private school in queens one of the outer boroughs uh in new york and then moving to public high school which i always wanted to go to because i kept seeing public high schools on television and the one thing that stood out for me was even at a really good public high school, Brooklyn Tech, people did not want to look like they cared about academics. They would not, they would not want to get great grades necessarily, but even if they did, they'd want to hide it from everyone else so no one would know that they wanted to do it. In private school, it was the opposite. If you didn't seem to want it enough, then there was something weird about you. I mean, literally weird about you. It's almost like you had a booger on your nose, the tip of your nose. Nobody would want to be associated with you if you just didn't care about grades. And that, that stood out for me. What, would, what about you? Was there anything like that that was that dramatic and that specific? I, I, you know, I actually echo the feelings that you have. I had a pretty similar experience as well, where uh, because we have been in that village, you know, everybody seems to have this mentality of, you know, especially in India that, oh, you know, you'll, you'll, it wasn't a village, it was, it was a pretty good town by itself, but uh, you, you know, you'll study, you'll get educated, you know, and then you'll go and go out and do some, something better in your life. So you, you have that growth mentality built in. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as say we moved to the city, Sure, education was a thing, but you know, a lot more important was which you know, who are you hanging out with? What different yeah. part of? Like, uh, where are you going to have dinner tonight? You know, and like, are you going to the fanciest club around? Did that happen later in college? So yeah, a lot of those changes I did absolutely notice as well. I rejected all that. My my response to that was to look to a different world. I didn't care about what they were what they were into. If it was the skateboarders, if it was the weed people, if it was the artists, I wasn't connected with any of them. And so I just escaped to books and this dream of what's out there after high school. What was what was it for and for me by the way the books were all business related. I discovered um direct marketing books which is like the lamest thing for a high school kid to have. So I was I would always hide it but I would bring direct marketing books in with me because the dream of anonymity, of being able to sell without anyone knowing that you're doing it, without anyone's permission, without anyone knowing that you're a teenager was just so exciting that I, I wanted to read about it and I wanted to try it. Did you do anything like that? So I am by nature, at least since, since childhood, a pretty introverted person. So yeah, I, I, I would say I just went more into my shell and I didn't care. Uh, uh, so I got pretty good at it, I would say. And I think that's a skill that helps me till date. 
what I did spend a lot of my time on is, uh, especially in those three years, uh, there's a competition in India called as IATJ, uh, which is pretty competitive. So I used to spend really long hours studying for that. Uh, and I think that's where I started to channel most of my energy. To beating the test, to doing well on the test. Correct. That's it. Because what did you imagine the rest of your life would be? You'd be an engineer? So, I mean, uh, both my parents are engineers and hence, you know, they wanted me to do really good engineering uh, as a result of it. And the, the, some of the best engineering colleges in India are, are, are IITs. And, and it was just a simple goal that, you know, if you do well in life, the benchmark of well is for you to get into that college. Okay. So, yeah. So my goal was I always to go to IIT. And then the, the typical in, Indian path is, you know, you go to IIT and then you go to an IIM and then you, you get a job, you know. In in American language, it would be something like say you go to Stanford and do engineering, and then you go to say Harvard and do an MBA, and then you 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 get a job. So that's that's what that's what the ideal path since childhood had been, uh-huh. and that is the path that I had envisioned for myself when I ended college to go to IIT. Yes, got it. And then it wasn't until you were in school that you started connecting with. Um, your eventual co-founder and had ideas that you were sucked into entrepreneurship because of the technological capabilities that you were opening, that, that you had your eyes open to. Am I right? So for the first three years of college, I was just, you know, optimizing for the managerial side of it, you know, so doing extracurriculars and you know, all the stuff that comes with it. Um, I interned with the investment bank, uh, with a major investment bank, and I didn't like it at all. Uh, I was like, you know, let's do something better with, with my life. Uh, and at that point I decided to start to do a little bit more of tech and I did a, a summer project with MIT media labs as a part of their, uh, red X cohort. And, and at that point, I really used to get fascinated with tech for me, it was sort of this breakthrough moment mm-hmm. when I realized that a small team of dedicated people can actually ship really amazing products. Because before that, I used to have this imagine, this vision that you know you need a team of 100 people sitting, like everybody doing the small, small things to actually get a real world product out there. So that was a big breakthrough moment for me when I realized even a small, dedicated bunch of people can do it. Okay. And then the first version was you getting money and we talked about it. You closed up right. the company gradually because you realize, you know what, Soundrex is not the thing, rephrase is. And one of the things you told our producer was you said, I left with this understanding that I need to have a moonshot, but I also need to have my foot, my feet planted on the ground in the beginning. And so your moonshot with this new idea uh, that became rephrase AI was what? Our moonshot is, can you create a Hollywood movie without ever shooting anything? Can you just write a script, give a really smart AI the script that you have, and it'll create an entire Hollywood movie without uh, shooting anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, so Nishit, who was my co-founder, had had this idea. He you know he told he brought this up over a casual lunch that we were having uh, during Soundrex, and it resonated a lot with me as well because I used to be I I, I used to make short films in college, uh, and if you've made high quality production level films, you then realize how difficult it is to make a professional video, like 
they'll be like a sound of someone, you know, coughing in the background and that just tends for the recording and you're like, there are tons of things that can go wrong in a, in a professional video shoot. How can we make it as simple as writing text? And the reason that that, that transition was important for us, even from a business perspective, is people today consume a lot more videos than they used to do five years back. Um, so from a consumption perspective, videos are preferred. But from a creation perspective, text comes first. Because, uh, you know, if, for example, you had to express an idea today, you would most likely just write a doc or something like that. So how do you bridge that gap between text and videos? We thought that AI could play an, a very important role. Without even being able to create the technology, you just had the vision first, and then you said, we'll figure out the technology after. Is that right? Uh, I think we back then had a really smart team and even till date have a really, really smart team to have that level of confidence. So it was just, we'd like to see it, then we know we can make it happen. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, it you is. know, Nishit and Shivam are both really smart people. So we were sure we could make it happen. What about this? When I, I used to have that fantasy too. Every time I would watch a late night interview with some celebrity who was complaining about being a freaking celebrity, I go, you know what? Somebody should just put these people out of their misery, just create some software that redoes everything that they do and be done with it. But as I'm doing these interviews, I notice how much I'm looking at your face. The reason I say is that right? Because sometimes you, you, you make an expression that I still haven't learned yet and I'm trying to understand why you're doing it. What am I, what am I saying that you're reacting that way? But there are a million little reactions to every phrase that I utter coming from you. And AI would have to do all of that Right, and and you still feel confident that even in that that you could do that. So on day one, we can't. The goal is in in a couple of years, we will be able to capture even those micro emotions, and and that's an ongoing research project that we have right now. But as of today, we are able to pull off extremely photorealistic lip movements and facial reactions and all of that. But we do tend to, as you rightly mentioned, miss some of these really tiny emotions that happen on a person's face. Okay. And you just believe, you're saying a couple of years. My assumption is you mean more than just two years, but you believe in time, you can get more of the micro gestures that people make into your AI and then go beyond the face to body language, et cetera. Absolutely. Uh, so for example, we're actively working on head movements and how do you make head movements more realistic? Uh, body movements follow for us. So yes, we, we do actively believe that we will be able to automate an entire human speaking and then just go beyond a human and have automated backgrounds and you know on our pathway to automate an entire movie. You got into Techstars Bangalore. What did you have what, how much of your software was done when you got in? So we had a very early version of our facial reanimation technology ready uh, when we went to Texas Bangalore. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing was uh, Ray, who was the managing director at Techstars, uh, really understood it because he had worked in the media space long enough to understand the power of videos. So at the time, when a lot of people were very dismissing of the whole phenomena, he was one of the few people who got it. And, you know, it was his support in those early days, which got us through. Uh, when we entered uh, Techstars, we were actually uh, planning as our first version of product to be, to help dubbing, convert, you know, dub movies from language A to language oh, B. And that was the original idea. Yes. Ah, oh, that, that makes sense. 
saying, look, there, there are great movies all over the world. Nobody wants to read subtitles if they could hear it. We can just automate this whole thing. And so if there's a great movie in India and Andrew wants to see it and he doesn't speak anything other than English, boom, we just give him that. We actually should do a smaller part of it, just, you know, just to clarify. Say if the movie, let's say, let's take Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise acted in it. It's going to make, say, roughly 30% of its money, typically from China. But the Chinese audiences will watch Mandarin on top of Tom Cruise and it will not look realistic at all because, of course, the lip movements don't match. So what we used to do was take Tom Cruise and match his lips in a new language so that it would feel as if Tom Cruise actually shot the movie 20 different times in 20 different languages, uh, whereas we would do all of that with just software. Uh, that makes sense. Okay, so you got into Techstars with that. They got it enough to bank on it, but once you got in, it seems like they changed your idea. Yeah, so uh, Techstars has this uh, a couple of weeks period where they call it Mentor Madness, where you talk to 100 different uh, people in a span of two weeks. All of them are smart and super diverse across different uh, industries and sectors and, and uh, uh, designations. So we talked to a bunch of folks and a few things got validated. First of all, that video is big and that everybody was thinking about it. Uh, but the second problem was that people said, well, we don't have the base content in the first place. So sure, you know, I would love to use a technology to convert language from A to B, but I don't even have A right now. And my problem is how do I get A? Uh-huh. So uh, it was then that a lot of people started to question us, if you can reanimate a human face, why do you just want to dub content using that? Why don't you just create new content fundamentally with just text as input uh, so that I can create all of my content using your engine? It feels to me like that's because of the type of people that Techstars brings in. You know, if they had more access to people in Hollywood, they might be willing to work with you. It's just that Techstars has access to people who think that way, right? Sure. Um, we actually realized a, a pretty unique problem with dubbing as well, uh, which, uh, which, because of which we decided to at least put it on the back burner for a while. And the reason was... Uh, the. There's a content production like studio, mm-hmm. then the producer, uh, then a TV channel will buy it. He will sometimes give it to say an OTT platform. And the maybe for an international audience, there's a different uh, distribute, distributor in that country. And in this chain, the people who would value from better lip sync are very di- don't have the right to edit edit the video at all. And the people who do have the rights to edit don't care about the money that you make. So it was a very, very long value chain. Uh, and we yeah. had to convince everybody in this value chain to make sure that you know this would happen. Typically, the way dubbing happens, at least in India today, is it's sort of an afterthought. Yeah, now my primary movie is done. I'm happy with it. Somebody go out there and somebody dub it. It's not a priority. So sure, it would add a lot to consumer expense experiences, but you know. The way in Soundtex, we had to convince so many people to make every single change. We didn't want to do that, do the same thing in dubbing again. Got it. So the fact that you'd suffered before made you realize we're not going to go down the same path. Let's find something else that works today. And all these people seem to be asking us for something that we could do. It seems almost too easy. Let's start with that and then build to our moonshot. All right, let me take a moment, talk about my second sponsor. It's a company called HostGator. One of the things that I really benefited from was 
just starting out with Mixergy. You know Mixergy, by the way, Ashray, was not supposed to be a podcast. It was supposed to be an invitation site. But even after it was an invitation site, I just said, let's just blog. Let's just experiment. And one day I said, well, if I've got this thing to experiment, I'd like to try podcast or I'd just like to try interviewing people and let me just do it. I've got this platform where I could just go and post their stuff. So I did an interview with someone. It was this guy who did SEO and he was killer at SEO. He just happened to be a chiropractor in LA, but he was killer in, in the search engine optimization community in Los Angeles. And so I interviewed him and then I interviewed another and another and I was hooked. And before long, this thing, this, these interviews took over. Um, and they introduced me through interviews. I was introduced to people all over the world, to some of the best entrepreneurs on the planet. And it's just because I had that platform to experiment with this thing that was almost like this throwaway side idea that wasn't going to go anywhere. The reason I bring that up is if you're listening to me right now, one of the things that I urge you to do today in preparation for 2021 is go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, open up an account. It's incredibly inexpensive. And allow yourself to have the platform to create. You don't know where you'll end up. Maybe what you'll do is you'll hear one of my interviews and you'll say, I think I could do that. Or maybe what you'll do is you'll come up with an idea that none of us had thought of, but you'll have a, at least a canvas to paint it on, a place to go and implement it. If you go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, you'll get started with a low price that's even lower than they already have on their site. They've always been known for low prices and uh, good service. But if you go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, you'll get the lowest price they have available. You'll get started right now and they'll get you going in a way that allow you to grow. And if you're not happy with them at any time, first of all, you can cancel, but you can also just take your site and move it to somewhere else. That's one of the beauties of working with the platforms that they make available to you at HostGator. It's totally portable, but I've been with them. I'm happy with them. And I think you will be too. All you have to do is go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy to get started and uh, send me what you've got. I'm looking forward to hearing about your experience at, uh, here's my email address, andrew at mixergy.com. Actually, I should, you know why I've been giving out my email address even more? I think it's been a while since I've been bombarded with spam. And so I'm now willing to put my email back out on the internet. I hope that it doesn't make me regret it. All right, let's move on. You had this idea that you can reach out to other audiences, that they wanted something to be created. You told our producer that your first customer kind of came to you and was willing to work with you before you had before you had a fully do-it-yourself service built, let's have you unmute yourself and jump in and tell me, what did you do? Who was the customer? What did, you, what did they need? What did you do for them? So it was a company in the US, which they were building an innovative concept, uh, something like a higher view, but a video first higher view. And what that would mean is, can I automate video interviews at scale? Uh, for, for job the, interviews. Correct, for yeah. job interviews, uh -huh. yeah. And the person who's actually conducting the interview uh, would be a virtual humanoid. Um, right now in, in softwares like HireView, it's a text that comes up on screen and you have to record your video. Mm -hmm. They wanted to make the process more interactive. So they wanted a virtual humanoid on the other side so that it at least feels better than just having text. Okay. And that's kind of strange what they were looking, not strange, it's unexpected. They wanted to have follow-up interviews. Couldn't they just record a set of interview questions with a real human being and, and post that up? They wanted to have a very easy onboarding process for the company uh, so that if say I'm, I want to hire software engineers, okay. they didn't want me to put in the effort to actually record video content, which then they could share. They wanted, they wanted to make it very easy for the company. So I could just type in the questions 
and my candidate would see a video and that platform would take care of the intermediate process so then the candidate would create a video in response correct got it you know what it seems like it's easy to just record your questions why not just have them do it but i get it as someone who's been doing video now for 10 15 years people keep saying to me andrew can you create this video for our conference can you create this it's always such a pain in the butt because i i want it to be good i want it to look right to sound right I don't want someone at a conference to have to see me with my cell phone and not be able to hear me or hear a lot of wind and so I do hesitate and I never ended up getting it done or I just say no right from the start. And so I understand it's easier to just type it out, have the video get made and just be done with it. That's what you were that's what they were going for. And you said we could do it and you created the whole thing for them from scratch. Their people would send you text and then you would manually put it into your software and you would manually get them video back. Absolutely. I mean, at that time we were really, really early. We didn't, we didn't have any resemblance of a front end which anybody could mm-hmm. use. In fact, even on the back end, there were individual components which we knew that this sort of worked together, but there wasn't like an automated tool chain which could do something from end to end. Yeah. So, and and we tried to tell them that we aren't ready right now, but they just said that they would be happy to work with us at an early stage and you know even if there are bugs they're happy to just work through that process so yeah uh, it it you know i wish we were more responsive back then to people uh, but since we had nothing at that time we weren't very responsive to inbound leads so you know it happened all via linkedin initially and so it because they reached out to you via linkedin yes this was the company that i heard reached out to you via linkedin to other people on your team via linkedin to people on social to uh, sorry to people on your team via social media um, just to try to get to use your software that's how hungry they were for it correct and how did they even find out about you to do that uh so post texas demo day uh, we got featured in a in a publication and they called the your story mm-hmm. uh, and that's where they i assume would have found out about us got it and so they saw you there they hunted you down you said all right these these people are really eager let's go with them and this seems like the ideal first customer eager willing to work with you has a clear business need you built that out when did you shift to what i see today on your website you guys call it mailchimp for video right because it's i actually don't like that tag i don't like that tagline at all for you it implies that you guys send out email it implies some so many other things it's all what you really do is you empower mailchimp with video you you customize videos yeah open to other ideas if anybody has any better ideas i'm happy to hear uh, we we've gone back and forth on a few and and you know uh, happy to iterate the reason we said mailchimp for video is because uh, we help you use merge tags mm-hmm. and the kind of personalization that people are used to sending in text emails like the kind that send on mailchimp or sendgrid or or salesforce any or any other software but we now do that for videos so you can you can write text the way you would write you know you would use merge tags typically and then upload a csv sheet and the way your existing sales engines actually personalize these text emails just go out at scale we help you create personalized video emails which go out at scale and that was that was our reasoning behind getting to this point but i can understand why the part where you know we send out emails can be confusing what he was what your first customer was asking for was pretty was was job interview questions how did you take the leap from that to 
sales via email using customized video? So we've actually got tons and tons of inbound leads onto our uh, platform. And uh, that's really helped us nail down and prioritize the market on what we want to focus on to the extent that because in some sense, what we do is we automate video creation, uh, we automate human video creation. And this by itself is so generic that can be used for corporate L&D to automate chatbots, video chatbots to, you know, just helping out put out Facebook videos and, you know, of course, personalized videos for marketing and sales. So tons of different things. What we did first was we say narrowed down from 10 ideas to four, and then just put out all the four on, a, on the Texas demo day page. We said, you know, hey, this is a technology. You can do this and this and this, right? Uh, if this sounds interesting, reach out to us. And then people reached out to us and told us what they wanted to do with this. Uh, so we got hundreds of responses back. And that's what helped us prioritize on, you know, what we think we should double down on. Just by opening it up, what are the four things that you were that you said you could do? Um so for us, there were two really large markets. First mm-hmm. was the personalized sales and marketing piece. Uh, EdTech for us was is was and is conti- continues to be a really big uh, alternate market that we even till EdTech? date. Uh, education? Yes. How would education use you? Uh, so a lot of educational companies, uh, video, video-driven educational companies, say companies like Baiju's, Coursera, Udacity, uh, have a lot of content that is ready and just waiting for the video team to become free so that it can be, you can create videos with that. What we do with them is, or what we you know eventually want to do with them is just take the text content and create professional quality videos at scale by just text input. So again, it, uh, we, we talked to one of these major tech companies and we realized that from the ideation stage to actually the video going live, it can take them around nine months to just for this whole process to just close through the video creation pipeline. Okay. And the largest, largest time taking part of this is just the content waiting where the text is ready. It's just waiting for the video team's bandwidth to become available. And that's where we would yeah. come in and create the content. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Right. The interesting part is that we can do this across languages. So we had this, uh, a tech company based in Russia reach out to us and say, you know, hey, I think that my content would do really good in English, but I have no access to people, you know, and in studios yeah. people create content in English. So if I can use a platform and just experimentally content, maybe one or two chapters of, of my content across say, French and Spanish and English and, you know, a few other languages just to tiptoe the waters and see if it actually works. Then I can then I can double down on you know creating the entire curriculum. So to create the same tech content in multiple languages at an insanely high speed, I think is is insanely valuable. When you say ed tech, is has it been like online education info product makers? Is that who's signing up? What are they teaching? This Russian person, for example, what's he looking to teach? I think he was looking to teach something in culture. I don't remember exactly. Okay. It was a course about some social, uh, cultural stuff. Okay. And then there's certain things that you weren't willing to do. I think people came to you with political requests and you said, this is just not the world we want to play in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the first thing that comes to people's mind. Like, you know, why don't I just go out and tamper an election? But that is something that you just don't do. To do what with the election? 
I mean, just create deep fake videos of the opposing political candidates. Oh, parties. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, it doesn't seem like enough of a. Even if you were willing to do that, it doesn't make sense as a business. How how many customers are going to ask for that? And frankly, there's software to do that deep fake stuff really well if you customize it, right? Okay. And then I, I think I think more important than all of that for us was why did we start the company, and mm-hmm. we didn't like we didn't start the company, you know, like my co-founders didn't leave the job that Google and Facebook just to, you know, make the world a worse off place, making people lose trust in videos completely and all of that. We, we do what we do because we believe that if we democratize video creation, the ability for everybody to create videos becomes really simple. People will be able to communicate their ideas and their thoughts in the form of videos. And that yeah. becomes a lot more powerful. So that's the end goal, not to, you know, take a political party side on any side of the aisle. And so now you're focused on marketing, right? People who are Correct. looking to do sales online. And did I, did I nail the reason? Because they're willing to spend money because they're willing to experiment because it's, it's a shorter decision-making process. Yeah. For us, you know, an even larger uh, reason was that people already do this today. We talked to tons and tons of people who know that videos you, using, you know, softwares, as you mentioned, like Loom, Vidyard, Vista Soapbox, or any of those softwares out there, they work using those, sending out those personalized videos to consumers actually works. But the problem is that if you start doing that over and over and over again, it, it, it is extremely repetitive. All, all, you know, it's, it's like you lose all of the progress that you've made in the last 15 years on your sales prospecting pipelines, where you had these automation engines which can send out these emails. And now you're back to that era where, you know, you're literally just turning on your computer, turning on your webcam, recording a message. Hey, it didn't work. Let's delete this. You know, let's start all, all, all over again. Something went wrong. Oh, Hey, this notification popped up. I can't show this, you know, let's record this again. Like yeah. and you're doing this half your day, sending out 20, 30 messages a day where we wanted people to do the sales reps to actually do the smart work of finding the relevant information about people, customizing their messages, AB testing their messages. And we would do the more boring and the more automatable part of just creating those video messages in the first place. So I can change, you will automatically put the person's name in. What else can I add to the video that I send someone? So you can personalize whatever you wanted to. The whole message. You can personalize the whole message as well. So I could say, um, someone could use this for for my site and say, hey, Andrew, I saw Mixergy. I really like how you've got all the videos up on your site, but I think what you could do is get rid of the bottom section with all those links because it's a distraction. Write that specific thing, put it in a CSV file, send it to you, and then when the email goes out, that will be said by the, by the speaker. Absolutely. Um, for edtech companies, we create hours and hours of content. So for to create a 30 second or a two minute uh, email message is, is absolutely something uh, that we can. That's make. it. And all they do is they give you all the messages that they want to send out to each customer. They pick the person or the look of the, the model. They pick the voice that they want. They hit submit. You give them a little bit of code. They put that into their outgoing email. And then that automatically will customize the messages that go out for each person who gets it. Absolutely. Uh, the, it, it is just that simple. And, you know, 
again, we want to double down on the creativity of people and that's what we help enable. So if you like, if you were a lazy sales rep, you just want to personalize the name, you know, you can just keep the rest of the message the same. Uh, we have seen a lot of financial institutions want to do something a lot more crazier where it could like say, hi, Andrew, congrats, your bank account just crossed a certain amount. And that makes you eligible for a loan of this custom amount at this custom interest rate, you know, like, so uh, you can be crazy with the number of variables that you want. Uh, you can have an entire line that you want, a sentence that you want personalized in there. Um, or you can just personalize a single field. Uh, you can also personalize the background to make sure like, for example, if I wanted to have, if I were sending out an email to you, maybe I should put your website as a background so that you feel as if I actually recorded on your, on your. How website. would I customize so, the background? I would give you a URL to the image. Uh, you will, yeah, you will give us a URL to the image. Okay. Uh, so I take a saying, screenshot of the website and then give you the URL of where the screenshot is. Absolutely. Got yeah. it. Okay. All right. I'm with you on this. I feel like, um, I, I feel like you've made a right decision going after sales and also not limiting yourself to sales. The problem with sales is that salespeople are willing to jump on anything fast, but they also will burn out any idea. So if you're just in the sales space a year from now, it could just be a gimmicky thing that people pass up but you're already thinking beyond them to ed tech and to other platforms for anyone who wants to go check out this, uh, this software. If you're, if you go to rephrase.ai, there's a video that just shows you the demo right there on their site. And then your prices are pretty freaking low. What is it? $248 gets me what? $248 a month. So, uh, we typically price uh, depending on the personalization that you do in emails. Mm -hmm. um, each video email will cost you between 20 to 50 cents, uh, depending on the amount of personalization and the scale of outreach that you're doing. Okay. I see. Oh, you know what? I got the pricing wrong. So what's, what's it cost? So if say you're sending out a thousand emails a month, mm -hmm. uh, it would cost you roughly say around 250 bucks. Got it. All right. The website is rephrase.ai. Thanks so much for being in here. And I'm grateful to the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're hosting a website, or maybe you didn't think you wanted to host a website, go get started. Give yourself a place to go and create by going to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to hire developers, whether it's because you want to add uh, artificial intelligence or any of the other things that have come to your mind and you have not had capacity to do it, go to toptal.com, challenge them to find the right developer who can get the job done for you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.